Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. This is your host, Kalen Wojcik, and joined with me on this episode is Philip, as well as our friends from the Precision Rifle Series, United Kingdom. We sit down with those guys and have a chat about their seasons, both in the PRS UK, as well as their pilgrimage over here to the United States for the PRS finale. And we chat about some of the classes that we have coming up with them this coming April, which are Introduction of Precision Rifle, Positional Shooting Clinic, a Wind Reading Clinic, and then an Advanced Competition Clinic. We still have some slots for those classes available for those of you guys who are in the United Kingdom and haven't yet heard about us, and for our European customers who are just across the sound from the UK boys, make sure that you guys get in on those classes. This is going to be a fantastic opportunity, and we don't know when we're going to be back, so take advantage of it. So with all that being said, guys, sit down and enjoy the episode. And until next time, you know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. It's good to see you guys. How's everything going? All good, man. Busy, busy, busy. Um, when, did we, when did we speak last? Wow. It's been a minute. September? Yeah, it's about four weeks before, before the finale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, that's a, lot right. happened, a lot's happened between the last time we spoke. Um, our finale... US finale, Christmas, New Year. Um, yeah, it went busy, guys. Real busy. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> just never been... stops, right? It just never stops. It just keeps going. It's like a big it's giant. Yeah. Time just keeps on trucking. Yeah, yeah. There's, well, time time waits for no one, does it? So, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> We're good, man. We're good. Uh, lots going on um, for us at, at PRS. We've been announcing new sponsors and stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, everything's good. We're, everybody's good. Trez is quiet as usual, but I think Trez is good. I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm good. That's too bad. I'm just, uh, I'm just literally after these podcasts, I'm going out chasing some foxes. So I've had that on my mind all day. So <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's it's uh, evening time over there. Yeah, it's eight o'clock at night. Yeah, six minutes past eight. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Very cool. It's just starting to come out now. So you got and and that's that's okay to do. In, in yeah, the UK, yeah, no, at night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as long as um, as long as you've got permission on someone's land, yeah, you can. Uh, as long as you, it's you're not shooting deer. That's the only thing you can't shoot. All right. Without a lot. So yeah, yeah, it's you, um, it's quite quite open. Now, are you guys are you using night vision? Or are you spot? Are you spot lighting? Uh, so I'm I'm old school. I I use a light. Um, mm-hmm. what I will say, um, I've used thermal. I've used night vision, and in my Opinion, nothing beats the image you get through a torch for an actual scope, but you can't beat a spotter for a, as a thermal spotter. You can't beat it. Yeah, but when yeah. it comes to taking the shot, I'd much rather have the torch on top of the uh, scope than anything else. Right, right. So yeah, especially if you've got somebody with you holding the torch, so you haven't got to worry about lining it up and b- bumping it when you're moving it and stuff like that. So uh, especially when you've got foxes like mine that take about four shots to put them down sometimes. So you're constantly chasing them across a across a field so dang the, fox, so, yeah. man, the, the, the foxes on your ground are just like terminator man just, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's <is> nuts <laughs> yeah right. i've put six six or six or seven i think i missed with one uh 140 rdms into a fox at about 80 yards and it was still running everything you know like you know when you oh, hear they... that thud when you when you hit an animal mm-hmm. every single time i heard that thud and I could see for the torch, it was trying to find a hole in the hedgerow, 
and you could see all its guts hanging out the other side and it was still <laughs> trying to get out of there. It was mad. It was. I never know nothing like it. Never know nothing like it. But I got him down in the end. But when I went over to him, he was a mess. There was the yeah. whole one side of him wasn't there no more. They're, they're crazy. They're, those, well, that, that, that's a nice friendly start to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, we're, this, we're hunting, man. Right? Um, those ELDMs probably just there's probably just zipping right through them. They're so close and so fast. Honestly, they apart from like a dedicated varmint round that's going really, really fast. They are awesome on foxes. They don't they they go through, but they blow a hole. You know. You know, yeah. two or three, mm-hmm. three, uh, three inch diameter circle at the back end, and they are down. They don't run apart mm-hmm. from this one that must have been Spends high on drugs. Well. Yeah, no, they're wild animals, man. They don't have, they don't, yeah. they don't experience the same, you know, the same. They just have a, they just have a survival instinct, and they're just like, hey, that something doesn't feel right, and something's really loud over there, so I need to get away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. We, I just went back to, I went back and visited my hometown in New York, uh, the first part of December. And I never remember. Um, I mean, it's been a long time since I lived there. Uh, I left when I was 17 and I'm 43. So it's been a minute. Um, but we saw foxes everywhere. I think I saw a half a dozen foxes in the three days that I was there. And I just, I, I, my uh my childhood hunting mentor still lives there and i asked him i was like man what's up with all the foxes i never remember seeing them all and he said man they've just been it's just been a massive influx of of red foxes it was when i was growing up you'd see like you know one or two when you're hunting deer because the way that we hunt deer we just sit in a tree stand you know most of the day and whatever walks by walks by and you'd see a fox every once in a while but it wasn't a common thing and and now he, uh, Bill was telling me he's like yeah they're co- they're everywhere now and um, the coyote population has dwindled and the fox population has gone up so they're they're cool okay, that's correlated uh, I don't know I'm sure that it I'm sure that it probably is um, you know I don't know if they're I don't know if they um, you know if if they prey upon one another I'm sure that they do they're scavengers right they're going to do whatever um, I had a really cool experience too with. Uh, I was climbing, um, I was climbing a, a kind of an offshoot peak of Mount Rainier here in Washington with my brother, uh, this was several years ago. And we were on a glacier and we were kind of, uh, we were crossing through this crest called Meany Crest and, um, uh, Meany Crest and then Pick Handle Gap. And, and we were sitting in this gap and it's a gap in the rock in a ridge between two glaciers. And we were taking a rest and the sun was coming up and it was just gorgeous, right? We were, we we're just watching the sun, taking it all in. And um, I look below me and I see this black spot trotting across the glacier. And I'm, I can't really see what it is in the in the morning light. And it, it's coming the way that we just walked from. And it was, as it got closer, I noticed that it was a black, it looked like a black fox. And it had mm-hmm. a silver, it had a silver tip on its tail. And it had these really, really bright, bright blue eyes and uh, kind of like a silver line along its back, and it had a mountain pika in its mouth. Huh. And, that, and that that fox didn't know what we were. because He just, he within three feet of my feet while I was sitting on the rock ledge, he walked right underneath me with this, with this pika in his mouth, and he just looked right up at me. When he finally realized, like, oh, shit, there's something there, he froze, looked at me, and then he didn't even get scared. He was just like, yeah, all right. And he just trotted off 
on his happy <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. the coolest thing i've seen in a long time in the mountains That's but like awesome. you never expect seeing a wild like a mammal on a glacier uh, on you know <laughs> at, at fourteen thousand feet you know you're just like what are you doing here but, yeah, that, yeah, he's thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what are you yeah. doing? Here? <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to do something really stupid and climb this big pile of rocks and and ice <laughs> and and not to die in the process yeah. of doing it. Um, yeah, man. So we're getting pumped to we're getting pumped to come to the UK, man. This is uh, this is going to be exciting. Yeah, it's, it's getting busy. Um, this past ten days when we started picking, so, picking yeah, up the marketing a bit more. Because we, we obviously, you guys know, you've got to be careful with marketing because if you start pumping it and everybody's face is too much, it's just yep. it's boring. So mm-hmm. we had our finale to get out. We had to shoot in the States, get our finale out of the way as well. Then the Christmas, the New Year, before you know it, you're back in January. So we start promoting stuff and we've had a, a big influx of, of spots and they are filling up, which is real good. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. For everybody that's listening, you you guys know we're coming to the United Kingdom in April of 2023 of this year. And um, this was something that we tried to kick off last year. Uh, didn't get the bodies uh, in the classes. And so we decided to push off to another year, which was fine. Um, and it seems like that's paying off at this point. Mm-hmm. So um, if you guys are interested... I know um, a, a lot of you guys in the UK are are kind of contemplating that the United Kingdom market has kind of been saturated with this, um, and you've gathered your group of shooters that are most likely going to attend these classes. But then our European customers, for those of you guys that are listening in Europe, uh, this is a fantastic opportunity for you to come out and train with us. We're going to be we're going to be teaching four classes, um, pretty much back to back. And uh, let's see, when do they kick off, guys? When's the first one? Our intro class is April what? April 15th is the 101 course, uh, four-day course, followed by wind clinic for two days, followed Mm -hmm. by positional. Then there's a day off, I believe, and then we've got the advance for three days. Yep. Um, Yeah, so it's it's, it's a pretty intense um, couple of weeks for you guys but yeah the first one starts 15th of september august not august 15th of april yeah and so andy talk talk to talk to everybody a little bit about some of the some of the nuances that are associated with uh europeans coming to the united kingdom obviously people that are that are residents of the uk understand what they need to do however Mm -hmm. the european counterparts might not understand so what are what are the, what do guys need to do in order for them to come from Europe into the UK with rifles and ammunition? So it's it's, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we went through this on the last podcast, but it is very straightforward. Um, I submit paperwork through to my local constabulary. We effectively sponsor you to come over here for your visitors permit. It costs twenty pounds to, to process. That grants you the right to bring your rifle and ammunition across. It's as simple as that. We just need time to process it, um, which is normally about five weeks. So if if there are European shooters which are sort of having to think about attending, we kind of have to have a bit of a cutoff for entry around the first week of March, really. Mm-hmm. The latest You're not going to make it. Yeah, otherwise I'll get moaned at by the, the licensing officer. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, but it is is so simple, and so to to drop some good news as well. If you if you listen to the last podcast, we mentioned that we were going to try and get some support from from other companies. We have 
had confirmation that we will get support from a company called Edgar Brothers, who are the direct importer for Hornady in the UK. Uh-huh. So there's going to be access to uh, the common ammunition factory stuff for awesome. Europe over so six five cream more six cream more two four three whatever it may be we'll have access to that and that can be purchased through the local store um but on on the range we're also arranging reloading kit cleaning kit gazebos cover bits and pieces so we've got some awesome support from hornady which is going to make a big big difference especially for the europeans that can only bring like 250 rounds across with it if they've got the five kilo limit Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you want to come shoot a one on one course, you you can't do that. Or yeah. come and shoot a couple of courses, you're going to have to reload or, or purchase. So yeah, um, it, it's pretty simple. We just take some details off you, rifle, which one it is, serial numbers. Um, it's it's pretty simple. To, to right on. Just in touch. We can get you booked on. We can get everything processed. So um, yeah, we just need to make sure that information is double checked. That's it make sure it's all on there serial numbers are correct um licenses are all correct passports etc etc and yeah it's done it's not a difficult process it just seems daunting to people oh how am i gonna get my rifle into the country i will actually just speak to us and get it arranged for it's not a problem so yeah yeah we're contemplating it time's running out spaces are definitely running out i think we've only got three spots left on the 101 class nice fantastic yeah that's awesome yeah it's it's yeah every, the, the space is selling out guys so yeah I'm, I'm i'm actually i'm headed to argentina in march and same thing right we got to go through the rigmarole of you know mm. bringing guns into the country we're going to go hunt uh, red stag and um the the company that i've used in the past to to travel internationally with firearms is travel with guns it's that's mm-hmm. the company's name travel with guns and they basically they're like a concierge service um, for international travel with firearms and they take care of all the paperwork and then and they make liaison with the with the international agencies they need to to make sure that it's a seamless transition and it was both the times i've used them it's basically you just show up and you meet your liaison and and they take you they hand walk you to the different spots uh in the airport um this the particular one johannesburg and um uh, vindhook uh, namibia and so you guys know like traveling into those areas it's it's kind of hit or miss right you know it just depends yeah. on who you get that day and and it definitely made the transition uh really really seamless was super simple um and then you know fill out all your customs forms but um it was kind of funny because i was just under the assumption that um you know because uh, we went to africa suppressors are legal in africa not suppressors are yeah. legal where you guys are but apparently they're not in argentina so that was kind of a bummer that uh, we won't be able to take suppressors over there. But um, same thing, I'm about to get into my pickup truck to drive down to California, and I take it for granted, right? So I, I shoot suppressed. We're going to be doing a class with uh, with the United States Marine Corps. And I was just looking at all my stuff last night, and I realized both the rifles that I put in the truck had suppressors on them. It's like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. People in <laughs> Republic of California, that's bad, yeah. bad juju. So, yeah. Um, but, what uh, would be the repercussions for being caught with one of them? Uh, it's a federal offense um, instantaneously. Wow. Yeah, it's a federal. It's a felony. Wow. Uh, crossing, crossing state lines with suppressors is a felony uh, as well as, um, you know, uh, in the state of California, it's a it's a felony to possess them. So, 
Yeah, they don't mess around. It's mad, isn't it? They give them, give them you here, like yeah, they want you. Oh, it's stone dog. I mean, like you know, it's like a catch. It's a double-edged sword for both of us, right? So you guys yeah. in the UK, like you have tremendous restrictions on you with regard to licensing and 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 yeah. purchasing and all that stuff. But then you guys, you can buy a suppressor for like ten bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> but here it's like a suppressor's over a thousand bucks, and you got to deal with with uh, with the uh, with the ATF, which always sucks. But, is that really how much they are? A thousand dollars for a suppressor. Yeah, yeah that's about an average price. About a thousand bucks for a suppressor. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's made out of gold here, one of them. <laughs> we, we, we pay to, it's just our, the market, right? Just the market. Cost, yeah, average suppressor cost in the UK, let's say two twenty-five, something like that. Right. Average. Yep. You can get much more expensive ones, like your hyper lightweight titanium super, yeah. you know, alpine yeah. hunting things that are maybe 400, 500 pounds, or you can get the, uh, you know, the real heavy duty steel mods that, you know, my moderator that I've got on mine is around about 390 pounds. But it depends on what horses and courses, but there's mods. One of our sponsors, uh, Wildcat, they do a, uh, a moderator, aluminium, screw one, and it is. I think it's the quietest mod I've ever heard, and it's two hundred and eighty pounds. Yeah, they're unreal and for the price. You can't beat that moderator for the price. Mm-hmm. And they do do they do sell them internationally, but under a different different brand, or they export them internationally, and somebody brand. else sells them. But mm-hmm. uh, so if they if you can find out if they're over in the states, I'd recommend having a look at one because they are. They are really good. You can take them apart and change the uh, the baffle stack, so you can uh, change the the um, the diameter, so you can take it from say a, oh, okay. a seventeen yep. HMR all the way up to a to a three hundred if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is good. Yeah. See here the <clears throat> the 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 out the outer portion of the suppressor is the serialized item. All right, so um, you can most of the baffle stacks are welded in, right? So if you, you got to send it back to the manufacturer. And I just, I had a baffle strike in one of my Thunder Beast cans not too long ago and sent it in and cut it apart, pull the baffles out and stick a new stack in there and re-weld it and send it back, re, re, re-serocode it. Um, That's cool. It happens sometimes. I was going to say, what were you going to say, Joe? How, how do you go about replacing them when they're dead? Because for us, when they're dead, they're dead. We just, just buy a new one. Buy a new one, get... Get to the RFD to destroy and get a new one. So yeah. when you say it's dead, what do you mean by that? Like they, in, well, you get you get a lot of um, firecracking and, and deterioration inside the okay. baffles of sound moderator. So um, they tend to eventually they're just kind of not as effective as should mm-hmm. as they should be. Or if you get keep going, they'll fall apart, don't they? Yeah. Or if you get a strike like you had on your on yours or something like that, um, we just hand it over and just post yeah, it's a new just- one super easy right it's just it, it would cost you more money at that point in time to to replace a baffle than it would to just be like hey let's just toss yeah. this thing and grab a new one yeah unless you buy this wildcat mod which you can buy the baffles mm. but saying that i think that i think they've gone against that now, there's something in the uk it's called proofing uh so any firearm that comes in has to be proofed as in take a certain amount of pressure so there's oh, a right. proof house uh, and they they test the they they over charge a case up and they check that it holds the you know the action holds the uh the pressure and stuff and i think a lot of companies now are starting to worry about um come back if something goes wrong with the mod say somebody screws it on wrong cross threads right. it mod blows up uh 
they're getting them proof that they can prove that they hold the pressure. So as long as you Got do it. your part, right, that's right. the only um, the only change here. So they are starting to go back and changing the baffle stacks, but the old ones you could do if you had the uh, if you could buy the baffles. There, um, I was chatting with uh, Ted Courageous, an American Rifle Company, about his new uh, the new coup de gras action. Uh, have you guys seen that yet? No. no, no. <laughs> oh man, you should, you should check it out. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's um, it's it's probably going to really disrupt the Remington 700 footprint action space. He's offering a, let's see, um, integrated recoil lug, uh, integrated scope mount rail, um, three lug toroidal boat design, like everything else that he does, um, interchangeable bolt heads in the same, it's a fat body, it's a fat body bolt. So, um, you can get bolt heads from two, two, three, all the way on up to three thirty-eight uh, on the same, oh, on right. the same, on the same action. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, he's got a, an adjustable trigger hanger so you can move the trigger hanger fore and aft to tune it for specific triggers, um, that some triggers are more sensitive than others. And it's kind of the, it's got a, uh, the Archimedes bolt design where it's got that leveraged handle. Um, which is, leverage. Yeah, that's so that's well, another, that's a feature one. on the Archimedes, but he included it into this new one, the coup de gras, but he also made it um, modifiable to have a, a solid bolt handle. If you want, you can swap out a piece and put a block in there and you can make the bolt mm -hmm. handle um, not move, not lever. So that's pretty cool. Um, and uh let's see takes uh, takes aw mags um the only bummer is that the 10 dimensions a little bit different than the nucleus mousing field in archimedes so you're gonna have to have you won't be able to have barrel interchangeability um and uh. ted's recommending that that it has a that it has a conical breech face just for feeding purposes which you know it is what it is um you know for all the features that come along with that action, I'm completely fine with with that in itself. And the whole yeah. thing is going to be offered at 900 bucks. Oh wow, <laughs> wow. that's insane! That's it's action, madness. Action only, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Is that stainless steel or is it um, is it nitride? Nitride? Yeah, it'll come. It'll come from. It'll come nitrided in salt bath. Yeah. Oh right, that's yep. nuts. That's yep. That's. That's yeah, kind of like or, origin price or tenacity price or that no, that you know that's that, lower that than entry that. level. It's yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's even lower than that. Yeah, yeah. It's really gonna. It's like you won't be able to not look at that action, yeah. and if you're not looking at that action, you're just being stubborn at that point in time, right? So I I know what it's so like to be stubborn. I get it. That's funny that I'm in the market for now. That's that's five hundred dollars less than a tenacity. Defined. That's correct. With more features yeah that's nuts yeah. Wow. yeah i mean i'm in the market for an action as well i was literally talking about this <laughs> no, man just jump on the website check it out <laughs> yeah it's it's really cool i've i've had a chance to shoot the prototype um uh, a couple of different versions of the prototype and um you look at the bolt design and it looks it, it's like it, it's like a tack 50 almost it just looks super mm. gnarly and, and rigid and beefy strong yeah. super strong yeah and, but then when you work the bolt it's just buttery smooth very very nice i'm i'm super you stoked got, you said it's got the three three lug three yeah lug. it's a three lug is design that, uh, similar to the the seiko is it um yeah lug. it's so yeah. ted's three lug design um uses his toroidal uh 
uh, bolt lugs. So right. it's kind of like ball bearing technology, ball bearing right. concept of, of the lockup. So that way you don't have to, you don't have to have, uh, you know, a gunsmith true up the, the bolt lugs to the mortises on the receiver. It's just, right. uh, it's yeah, it's awesome. Nice. Works good. Nice. Phil, yeah. Phil's very quiet. Yeah, he is. <laughs> can't even see him. He's not asleep like his last one of the other podcasters. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wakes up right at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Falling asleep. (laughs) There he is. We might have lost Phil. He might be asleep. What's up? There he is. Dude, I I just got back from the range. I'm listening to you guys. I have to unpack all my stuff. And yeah, (laughs) just got them doing inventory for our... uh, modern day sniper eval for our, our, our new journey. And so, uh, I, I had to be a piece of humble pie this morning, uh, with my 308. Nice. It, it, it definitely, it, it shows when, you know, you, or when I, you know, spend the last three months on like a 25 pound six, you know, variant and then mm-hmm. jump on a 308 that's suppressed. Uh, it's not, it's not as forgiving. So yeah. um, <laughs> for sure. Wow. I've got, um, yeah, Philip and I are getting ready to head down to, to California to do, um, an instructor course for the cadre of, uh, the newly formed recon sniper course, which is, uh, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, mm. that, uh, the, the course is, is contentious within the sniper community, but the, the, the mission of the course and the reason that it was stood up was, was very much warranted and they're, they're absolutely killing it. Um, they sent the quals over and the guys that are coming out of that course, uh, the qualifications and all the different, all the different shoots that those guys are, are being put through. They're creating an extraordinarily proficient sniper in that, uh, in that training package. So, um, really humbled to go down there and teach those guys. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be driving. Phil, are you driving or are you flying? He's there somewhere. He's there somewhere. <laughs> he's on mute, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he has to jump in and out of unmuting his mic if he's on the range again. Yeah. Yeah. No, he said he's back and he's 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 unpacking all of his he's gear. Back in the car. Probably he? playing playing I'm, uh, playing I'm, shuffle. I'm flying. I'm flying on Sunday. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Um, so who 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 contracts you to do that? Does the U.S. Um, government, as such, contract mm-hmm. you? Is it or is it uh, a civilian? That gets you to do it or no, no, it's, uh, they just, so they, um, the, uh, the non-commissioned officer in charge of the school, which we call the staff non-commissioned officer, um, basically puts the training request up the chain of command, uh, and the funds get approved. It's a little bit different with every, every different organization within the military of how that all occurs in the background. Um, but no, they just, they give us a call. We send them a quote. And, um, if it's not on a contract, this is basically like, uh, you know, I guess you'd call it like, a uh, onesies, twosies type thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they just give us a call. We give them a quote, make sure that, you know, we're hitting all the administrative wickets and, um, they, they pay for our services and we go and, and conduct the instruction. It's pretty straightforward. So that's cool. It's more of a bespoke service than, than. Than something that you would you would do like your one hundred and one course and a wind clinics. Yeah, this is this would be yeah. this would be customized for these yeah. guys. Um, and what what our goal is is to teach them how we administer instruction 
to get the shooters that we get to the level that we can get them in a very, very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you only have four days, when you have four days with shooters, like take our intro class, you have four days and this person, we've been able to take people that have not shot more than 30 or 40 rounds through a precision rifle or for, through, through a bolt action rifle, a rifle in general in their entire lives. And we can get them to pass our modern day sniper basic evaluation at the end of day four, which is a compilation of uh, five exercises, uh, engaging targets out to 900 yards, both known distance and unknown distance. And it's pretty impressive to be able to look at somebody who's never been able to do that before and then say time starts now and have them be able to um, hit five targets in three minutes, you know, and, um, and then go into the unknown distance portion of it, <clears throat> establish their own ranges to those, to those, to targets and get those targets shot in five minutes. So it's a really cool thing to see. Um, and the learning curve is very steep. And that's what we want to try to pass on to these instructors because the faster they can get the students to understand the foundational principles and the fundamentals, obviously the faster we can progress into more advanced skills. Um, and even on the advanced skills type th side of things, it's not even really advanced in the sense of like... Um, you know, magic or anything like that. It's just, you're increasing your mind's ability to problem solve in a given time span. That's all, yeah. that's all we're yeah. really doing. Yeah, that's the difference Freeing between up, a basic and advanced skill. Well, you're not processing speeds in your mind. Right. Increase. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff I've been telling the guys who've been getting in touch with us about, oh, what's the one-on-one -on -one course? And one of the first things I say to them is that don't, take it as complete novice you can be a complete novice but mm -hmm. i'd say to know that phil and kaylin have had 20 years serving snipers go on to these courses mm -hmm. one course and come out of it with more knowledge than they had before and stuff that's blown their mind mm -hmm. uh, and i mean I'm, I'm i'm doing the 101 course myself purely because i want to go back to basics um mm -hmm. and yeah it's, now i'm glad you mentioned that actually because four days intensive i think it's good for the brain it so. is we we got paid a tremendous compliment by by some some folks in a other government organization i'll call it and you know <laughs> these guys were like hey you know we've been to we've been to literally every freaking course out there and um this one this individual happened to be one of my um one of my former students from the marine corps days and then we actually taught together for a short time and now he's doing other things and uh they they came to our package and uh stayed for seven days we did a four day and then a three day and and they said man we we learned more in this seven days than we have in the vast majority of the courses that we've been to and and i'm not trying to say that from you know from like an egotistical standpoint mm -hmm. i'm saying that from the standpoint of we've put a lot of time energy and effort into organizing our curriculum to make sure that the student gets the absolute most out of it that they possibly can. And we're, we've done everything that we can to eliminate as much of the fluff as possible. Um, we're not going to sit there and, and get buried in an hour and a half long conversation about the nuances of muzzle velocity. 
That's <laughs> pointless. Okay. That's absolutely pointless. And it's a waste of the student's time. <clears throat> we're going to teach you the, we're going to teach you what you need to know to hit targets. And then if you really pursue, like if you want to pursue the further depth of knowledge with regard to the nuances of external ballistics and bullet drag and all of the things that affect that, and then sure, like I, I can, I, I can give you the resources uh, for you to go learn that stuff on your own. Yeah. But the reality of it is it's not really going to help you hit targets. And I think that's one of the things that we see as a problem nowadays in the United States military is everybody's wrapped up around all these tiny little nuanced aspects. And it's almost like you have to be a rocket scientist to decode your ballistic calculator just to get it to work for you. And you have to know all of the cheat codes for it. And so guys end up, it ends up screwing with your brain because you're always wondering, is my software correct? Or is this correct? Or do I have the right settings here? And once you allow that stuff to creep into your mind, it's going to manifest into a lack of confidence within yourself. And that's going to manifest into missing the target. Um, and then I did exactly that at the finale. It came. We all, yeah, man, let's hear it. Like, like <laughs> I want to hear about it just because it's, it's important. It's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a, it's gross. Yeah. I tell you, I'll tell you guys some crazy, funny ass stories about mistakes I made, but I, I want to hear yours first. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, well, day one, we had some ridiculous pressure issues. It was bad weather. It was real, real mm. bad rain. Biblical rain, wasn't it? Yeah, biblical sideways Tennessee rain. Um, even even for us Brits, it was bad. We sat down in the morning and Shannon, he says, we'll, we'll talk a bit and we'll drag it on. And then you can <laughs> right. see everybody looking at their watches and looking outside and and they're going, oh, shit, he's going to say, so we're going to go. And then he says, come on then, let's get on with it. And it's still sideways rain. And we're like, shit. <laughs> so we go out. Um, I had pressure issues, so I kind of wrote day one off because it was just bad. It kind of got better in the afternoon. But, yeah, the whole letting tech get in your head sort of thing, I eventually, it started on stage two of day two. And it was a prone, and it was shooting at diamonds. Uh-huh. And I was missing on wind, but I was—I'm following that. I'm going like, "How am I with, missing on wind, man? I'm—I'm I'm 99% sure that's point two. Why am I still missing? Why am I still missing? Checking my kestrel. What's going on with this? Check the kestrel again. Measuring wind. I'm like, "What the fuck? <laughs> I'm still missing on wind." And eventually. I did something that I've never done before. And the, the last few stages on, on day two, I actually started because the, 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 the distances weren't, there wasn't great amounts between each distance. I actually started dialing wind mm. for the first time ever. I don't normally dial wind, but I put point two on and I held straight up and I started nailing stuff. And that was it. And it, But that's just because I went, fuck it. I'm not touching my cash drum. I think that's point two. I'm putting it on. And I just right. went with it. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's just, it just gets in your head and you start, it, my, the mind games come in and then that's it. Oh, is my zero off? Is it this? Is it actually the wind? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's 0.3 out there. Maybe it's 0.4, 0.5. You, you measure the bloody wind again. Yeah. Before you know it, you're just in a vicious circle. It, it is so, a vicious circle, man. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the joys of being a dinosaur. I you, don't have a kestrel. <laughs> I look at what it tells me when I say, hi, oh, it's this distance. That's what it is. <laughs> I put it in and just go with it. And if yeah. it missed, then oh, it's got to be me somewhere. Yeah. Right. 
I trust yeah. the app. It's got to be me. But, you know yeah, what? I, yeah, there's good good stories with that, man. I mean, you can get yourself into a big into big trouble that way. I um, I had a situation, uh, and this was a a mental a mental error on my part. Uh, I had a tremendous amount of of craziness in my personal life this past summer that was very distracting, and um, it was it wasn't easy to to, to manage at all. Um, and I was teaching, uh, I was teaching a competition course and I went to go demonstrate a course of fire <clears throat> and I didn't notice, um, my ballistic calculator. Um, I had the, I had the altitude set for, um, f- however it happened. I have no idea how it happened. Um, I had the altitude set for like 30,000 feet or something like that. It was ridiculous. And <laughs> it was just like somebody went in there and purposely screwed with it. I don't know. And so I just looked I didn't, Mount Everest. I didn't even pay attention. Right. So, cause my mind is, is rolling and I just, I took it for granted and I just applied the dope that was, that was dialed. And this two minute of angle target at 500 yards that I, you know, that <laughs> I literally cannot miss in any other situation. <laughs> I have no idea where these bullets are going. I have no idea. And I've got a whole class of students watching me and I'm like, oh man. Oh, man. And it's, that happens, right? It, it happens. And then what, what we have to do is we just step back and say, Hey, something's not right. Like something's not right. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. I'm breaking completely clean shots and I'm getting no, I'm getting no feedback on the target whatsoever. And so I had to go through everything with a fine tooth comb and it's like eating a giant, pile of dead crow you know you have to you have to do that and you have to put a fucking smile on your face while you do it because you're a human being and you made a mistake yeah and that's just the way it works yeah you have to suck it up you have to own your fuck ups don't you yeah you suck it yeah, up you gotta own it and if you only fuck up for pride and that's the best way <laughs> yeah. of doing it right and if you don't if you if you don't own your if you don't own them then you're just cheating yourself and yeah. in my in my situation as a teacher i'm cheating my students and yeah it's not okay at all like that, that's that you're the student is the main is the main priority of focus in those situations yeah. and and so it's like hey i had to i had to gather everybody around and say hey man check it out this is what happened this is why it happened and let's turn this into a teaching point and make sure that it doesn't happen to you in the future i mean it's the same kind of thing like when you use a kestrel and um you you don't deactivate all of your other profiles and you start shooting at a target with um you know, maybe you got like a 338 profile in there next to a six Greedmore file and yeah. <laughs> you mistakenly, you know, select the 338 profile. It's like, yeah, things are not going to line up. Mm. So things, yeah, it just happens, man. You, and you got to own it. There's yeah, a lot going on. Do you, know, do you know what I learned as well? I mean, I made a huge mistake when I was over in um, the finale. When you, when you realise that there's that you've made a mistake, and uh, what I class the mistake is not necessarily you've done something wrong or um, you know purposefully or as in you know pulled a bad shot or something like that, but there's a mistake happened, so you're missing. There, that, that's the mistake. So f- for me, I had started off the day okay. First kind of four stages, I was getting uh, six sevens fives and then there was the one stage where it was the the bus and it had all the air was still in the tires and it rocked like a rowing boat and it was best to deploy a tripod inside it so i propped me my rifle up inside the the bus 
you know, with the the scopes are quite heavy, and the rifles swing, and the scopes want to hang, like mm, gravity yep. damage, pointing damage. Mm-hmm. Well, it swung and it hit the side of the side of the bus with a bit of a clack. It wasn't too bad, but then I'm out. I'm up onto the. Uh, I'm, I get myself steady. I mean, I'm rock steady. I'm pulling, and I'm um, pulling. You know, really good shots. Missing. Can't see where I'm missing because it's still wet at this point. Um, and I ain't quite got the eye yet to pick up every last thing. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't at the finale through merit. I was at the finale through perks. I've been, you know, part of the uh, the founders of PRS UK. So, you know, it was a, a step above, as in level wise. But mm-hmm. I, I've zeroed this. No, I think I had two, and I zeroed yeah. the next one. Zeroed the next stage. Zeroed. The ne- it took me four until the end of the day to realise that there was something up and I just kept on putting it down to me being pulling bad shots and mm. doing something wrong. And then the next day, that night, I went home. I just said, right, I'm just going to new day tomorrow. Let's turn, you know, switch on a bit. And then the first stage, we're up at the very, very top, nowhere near a, a zero board. And, line, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And then another zero. And then, there was another stage what to do up there and another zero. And I was like, what is going on? And I started to get, you know, I've spent all this money getting over there mm-hmm. and I'm not hitting targets. And I know it's, I'm at a level where I could, you know, I can hit the targets, but I'm not, I'm not confident in hitting all of them. So I'm kind of putting it down to myself, you know, the occasion type things. Anyway, we get, we finished there. We jumped on them little, uh, like the, the quad bikes with the trailers, they take us downhill, and then the next stage is the tyre stage right at the very bottom. And I jump on the zero board, and I'm six tenths low and three tenths to the right. Mm. So, you know, that little knock was what put me out. What was really weird was that all my witness marks on my scope was all the, on the on the rings and stuff. That was all fine. Yeah. The torque on the bottom, I checked everything. But as soon as I checked it, re-zeroed and then got back on. I think I dropped about six shots in the next four stages. So yeah. it was, it, it's what really annoyed me is when I zeroed that stage, I should have trusted my ability a little bit more and went and checked my zero straight away. And that's, again, it's a mental error. I should have just stopped. Even if you have to turn around to the RO and say, sorry, you're going to have to put me down as a no score here. Yeah. I'm going to have to go and have a walk down. I think after the issue was the fact that we was so far away from a zero board and it wasn't, you know, I kept on looking behind me, is there a quad bike there? No, there's not a quad bike. And I just kept on, I didn't want to upset the flow of the match, you know, being new to shooting the stacks. Don't want to be our, there's that dickhead Brit that's slowing everybody down. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, so that's one thing. So I would never, if I start missing targets and I, I know that, that um, I should be hitting them, I am checking my zero straight away. Yeah, there's straight <clears> away. <throat> That's one of the things that we talk with students quite a bit about in the in the courses, just understanding when to I make when to make the decision that it's not you and that it's your system. Uh, and that's a tough one to make because we're in this mindset of we as the human as the human interface, the lowest common denominator, right? That's the most the most common mistake that's going to occur is user error, shooter error. However, there are points where, um, you know, it it can be your system. And <clears throat> when you have a when you have a rifle get smacked like that, uh, it would it doesn't even have to move in the witness marks. It's the internals. 
right? The internal, the erector tube inside that inside that scope probably got jumped and, and jarred. And if you can think about how fine of a measurement that is, you know, um, a half of an inch at 100 meters, well, I'm not going to be exact, but a half an inch at 100 yards, so essentially about 100 meters, that only requires three thousandths of an inch of movement at the buttstock in order to make that happen at a hundred at a hundred yards. So mm-hmm. if you can think about that, so six tenths, uh, six tenths, and then three would you say five three tenths on three the, tenths to the right? Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, like that's that it doesn't take much to make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so not all scopes are you know they're not all freaking bulletproof, and you can't all you can't use them to drive nails into a board and then shoot with them again, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, that's a fine, that's a fine instrument. Mm-hmm. So, and especially side impacts, uh, side impacts are, are, you know, very, very problematic for rifle scopes. Yeah. I think, I think it was the, the, the windage or the, um, the, the parallax side that got it as it, you know, swings around. Everybody's seen it when, you know, when your heart skips, when it, you let you prop it up and then all of a sudden it swings and it does that little jump and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it clattered it. But I didn't think anything of it. Like I said, it wasn't a hard knock. I've right. dropped, you know, I've fully dropped my rifle at the back of my truck before and my zero has been perfect. So that's, I think that past experience of that happening and then this happening, I totally, you know, totally, Mis- misthought it but like you said if it, if it's a side impact it you know it, it taking a direct impact on the scope is different to maybe just the rifle dropping mm-hmm. on its own it, i don't know it, but like it I happens said, it was, there's an expensive learning curve there, put it that way there, there's some manufacturers out there that if you put an like if you use a diving board um and you put something really heavy on the on the scope and you shoot it it's not the scope's not engineered to receive recoil forces from those directions and that's enough mm-hmm. to to pull it out of zero as well. All right, okay. Mm-hmm. Learn something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, all, all the testing that gets done, something can still happen. For but sure. Yeah, it's not. They're not bomb proof, are they? No, they're not. No. Nope. But yeah, those those bits aside, and yeah, we we had a we had a blast, man. It was yeah, it's a good time. Other than not taking a gun, no, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, James James didn't shoot. He just came along for the ride. That's yeah. a cool did, experience. The round I did shoot on the match. Day two, end of match day. I cleaned like yep. twenty five <laughs> shots in a row. It was great. <laughs> nice, nice. That's cool. But That's good. I, I didn't finish last, which I'm happy about. So, and and some of the guys we took with us, they they took some scalps, man. Yeah, we Rory, Rory uh, the Irish shooter. That kid can shoot, and he, yeah, he took some scalps. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard that term in a while. A whale of a time. I like that. <laughs> We had a whale of a time. Yeah, it was awesome. Come to take some scalps. It, it was, it was, it <laughs> yeah. was a big eye opener. It big was, eye yeah. Opener. But it also, what it's done is, is it's given us uh, an insight. It's like we know how you guys do it in the states. We've seen the videos. We've seen guys sharing stuff. But we've now had chance witness to it. witness it firsthand, experience it, and we can now bring that back to our matches in the UK mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just put in a big target order to, to change things up, and, and we've 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 taken a lot from K and M and the way they do things. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it, it's it's paid dividends, not just for us as shooters, but also to, but for, to uh, for our shooters that we that we put matches on for as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it was definitely worth the trip, and we that we had a blast. It was it was 
unbelievably good. Awesome. Um, was it nine of us in a 14-seat minivan and <laughs> yeah, nine, no, eight <laughs> rifles? And, yeah, we, we all crammed yeah. into a tiny minivan and drove around and... Yeah, we we got eaten up by Nashville, and and yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Man. It was good old time. Um, so, you, how many of you guys went? Um, so there was eight. eight, eight from the UK, and we we met up with a buddy of ours from South Africa, Hanu, who joined us and sort of tagged along with us in the in the minivan and stayed in the same hotels and so. So there was nine of us in our in our party. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Was pretty That's cool. super cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're 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 traveling internationally for for your hobby and getting to experience something different and uh, and having a great time while you do it. And that's what, what yeah. more can you ask for? Yeah. This year, yeah. well, we're, we're yeah, Kansas this year, so we'll 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 be going to Kansas at the end of this year. But um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. One one step at a time. We've got a lot of matches between now and then. Yeah. Um, I, I had somebody ask a question actually the other day, um, Kaylin. What is your most popular class? I, with without doubt, it is the intro. Uh, the yeah. intro class is the most uh, most popular. Uh, I would say a close second to that would be either a wind clinic. Um, or a positional shooting clinic, one of those mm. two being close seconds, um, because that's usually the secrets. Those are the two secret sauces, right? Um, being able to figure out your wobble zone uh, and being able to figure out how to manage it and then learning how to interpret the wind conditions so that way we can get bullets to hit where we want them to. Yeah. Those are the two you know, those are the two really popular classes outside of the the intro class. And, and just like you, I mean, you said the, the intro class don't, I don't want anybody that's listening to think that that intro class is going to be full of people that are beginners because I mean, it will be to some degree. However, what, what you're going to get out, you're going to get what you put into that, right? So if you, even if you show up at a four day intro class, um, there's something to be said for just putting hitting the pause button and being a student again. <clears throat> and that was one of the things that I was very, like for my military career, one of the things that I was very much looking forward to was um, I was planning on moving from the sniper community into the special operations community after I had gone in, uh, to do a combat deployment to Iraq. And it was I was excited for the opportunity uh, largely because I was going to be able to focus on my own skills. And not necessarily um, a leadership or a teaching role. I was able to actually. I was looking forward to just being um, an operator, right, or being um, a shooter, whatever the yeah. whatever the fuck connotation you want to call that. Um, how cool guy you want to be? But I was just looking forward to just being another dude and focusing on developing my own skills without having the additional burdens of of leadership. And it's, you know, starting from the bottom, which I was completely fine with um, because the same thing with our intro course, you can be in a, you can be a seasoned shooter, but at the same time, you can always come to that course and learn something and, and continue to test your skills just because, mm -hmm. you know, you can hold yourself to a higher standard and say, okay, well, this drill, they're only requiring students to get this drill done in three minutes. Well, I'm kind of, an, I'm an advanced, a more advanced shooter in terms of my ability to apply my skills and problem solve. So I'm going to hold myself to a higher standard and say, you know what, instead of three minutes, I'm going to get this done in two minutes. 
right? Yeah. And, and create your own standards in your own mind. So that way, you know, you can get more training value out of it. And just let us know too, from the teaching standpoint, hey guys, you know, I'm in the intro course, but I have a lot of experience. Um, and these are the things that I'm looking to, to, to get out of it from a foundational standpoint. I want to retune this or, or, or have you guys relook at how my technique is with this particular skill. That's what we're there for. We're there for for you from a, from a coaching perspective, um, and for our more advanced shooters, it's really it, it's coaching, right? We're there to give you coaching, um, and and obviously instruction if you need it, but more along the lines, it's coaching. Yeah, it goes back to you, you saying that if you're you're more advanced, it goes to kind of a mindset thing, like you said, you're hitting the pause button and you're going back to being a student. Mm-hmm. You guys always say that. You're always a student of the craft. You never, you never stop learning, and no. I think it's good to hit that reset button. And mindset is is massive. And like for, for me, I'm dreadful. Mindset is, is dreadful, but I'm looking forward to going onto the 101 course and just taking it back to basics. Yeah, the, and the stu- reset one for me. Yeah, it's factory reset. Yeah, <clears throat> and and you know, if, it might be more beneficial for you to like Philip was talking about. Hey, you know, I've been shooting. I've been shooting very forgiving, heavy yeah. competition rifles. It might be beneficial or advantageous for you to bring your NRL hunter rig to an introduction class and, yeah. and learn how to shoot that thing. Um, yeah. Because you, we all know that shooting a 25-pound 6-millimeter is very, very different than a 12-pound um, 30 caliber magnum. Uh, yeah. There's a humongous difference in there. And it's yeah. all physics, right? It's all based on physics and laws of motion. <laughs> Uh, we yeah. can't get around those things. We, as the human interface, have to learn how to be uh, much more consistent and repeatable with those lighter guns to get the consistency out of the system. Yeah, there's there's a, a, a few things been going around online about, and a few people have mentioned it. And like, I think it was Chris actually, it's Chris Wade that mentioned. So, what what do you change? What are you changing this season? And I think that's that's one of the big things is is the students who, who will come on this course, I know a lot of the guys on the advanced course, they want that edge, so they've come to an advanced course. But there's a lot of people on the 101 that have shot a bunch of matches and stuff, and it's, it is a reset. And what are you changing this this series? And for me, I've got big changes. I've got a, a whole new um, chassis. I'm changing to a foundation stock. I've effectively got a brand new rifle. I've only shot one match with it. Mm-hmm. I'm changing a bunch of stuff, and I'm, I think – going on courses like this will make a big, big difference to how I shoot this year as well. And I think Trez will probably agree on that as well, because Trez is like bouncing between calibers and debating what to do with rifles. And it's, yeah, I think the the reset is, is a good good way of looking at it, definitely. Mm-hmm. I've finally gone to the right-handed side action for a change. So I've yeah. <laughs> switched from a right-handed action to a left-handed action. Shoot oh, okay. So <clears throat> that's a big that that's a big neural pathway change, man. It's it's a big learning curve, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like learning to set your body up, which I'm terrible at doing anyway. I'm really terrible at doing my left-handed action. Yeah, yeah, it's big changes. Man. Yeah, I've got to really. Um, so one of the things that we're doing uh, in our monthly subscription service, uh, and I, I wanted to mention this uh, in this episode the we decided to change up our subscription service from uh, the last couple of years that we've been doing it and the model that we're following this year is is more of um a journey with a with a a culminating 
uh, kind of goal at the end of it, right? So we want um, we want this, the people that are in that subscription service to look at it from the standpoint of goal setting and understanding, you know, the specific steps that are taking us on that uh, journey to to reach that goal. And the first month, uh, actually, the the process is modeled off of. Are you guys familiar with the the hero's journey from the standpoint of storytelling? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I've, I've heard it. I've, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, Trez, like, um, you familiar? I mean, basically, any story. The the most mainstream one that we could look at, right, is uh, is the Matrix. All right. So the story of um, Neo as he goes through all of the the trials and tribulations of um, his journey along that path, right? So there's um if you guys the listeners if you're not really familiar with it um do some research and uh look up joseph campbell and the hero's journey and joseph campbell did a tremendous amount of research and study on it and it's very fascinating to listen to because uh, a lot of it's you know based on um archetypes and base and archetypes are essentially like specific models of personalities um like that 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 contain specific traits um, and so it's very interesting, like Neo, as he decides, like he's this computer programmer, right. And, um, he has this call to, to go, to go do something bigger and better with his life. And then as he goes through that process, he has these trials and tribulations come up against him on his way. Uh, another one of the, of the classic epics is, um, the Iliad and the Odyssey, right. By Homer. So, um, like the Odyssey being um the the journey back from the trojan war and all of the uh all of the trials that odysseus has to has to deal with as he tries to get home um and so it's the same kind of concept and and we're on the same path like you guys already said hey i have some things that are changing uh in my setup this year and so i have goals that i want to reach and i want to try to attain this this these goals like you said hey i'm going to be shooting i'm going to we're going to like it looks like we're going to kansas right because that's where the finale is going to be okay well in order for me to get to kansas i need to be able to hit all of these wickets along the way and i'm in the same boat like that's one of my goals i'd like to shoot in a prs finale this coming year myself so in order for me to do that i have to make sure that i set myself up to make that happen Right. And so yeah. that's what we're going to do with our subscription service this year is take um, the members of the service on a journey along with us as we chase after our own goals. And we're going to do this in a really structured way. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, it's going to give us an opportunity to do things just a little bit differently because when we looked at it, we were like, man, I'm having some having some kind of creative blocks. And Philip and I were chatting about you know, we don't want to teach the same thing over again when there's curated content that's already living in this in this content vault. I mean, if you guys come into the subscription service right now, there's 96 plus hours of content in our in our curated vault from the last two years because we do about four hours of content a month. Yeah. And so it is like you look in there and you're like, dude, this is gargantuan. This is huge. There's a massive amount of content in there and you get access to it all. You get all of it. Um, as well as this, this, uh, this journey that we're going on right now that we're going to be generating more content for. So I'm pretty excited about it. And everybody seems pretty jazzed about it that, um, that's participating. And, uh, that's just another way for you guys that are on the other side of the the big pond over there to to participate in what it is that we're doing at modern day sniper and modern day rifleman yeah 
I'm a subscriber on that anyway, so I've got access to that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I saw you put something up. Um, was it about a week ago or something that you said that you're changing, changing the way that you're doing things? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was on Facebook. No, I've seen it on Facebook. I've yeah. Not, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's, I've not bit the bullet yet. No, it's... No, um, it's yeah, it's it's a it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and you know we're gonna learn we're gonna learn through the process as well. Uh, and to you know we when we sat down and we were like, hey, this is this is kind of a struggle right now. We sat down with my wife Cassandra, who studies who studies this the you know the the archetypal aspects of things and the psychological aspects of things, and she had been familiarized with and studying the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell, and she was like, hey, I think that this could probably I think this could probably apply to what it is that you guys are trying to do. And we sat down and, and, you know, she walked the dog with us and figured out how we were going to make it work. And it, and it looked like it was going to fit. So we said, well, let's just give her a shot. And, and uh, it seems like it's going to fit quite nicely. There is only so many things you can do though, with, with, with the current content, you can only create so much, so you have to change it. Right. Yep. And it was just like, man, I don't want to do a third rifle setup class when there's other two, (laughs) you know, it's just like, you know, because the value for you, you know, for the customers, that's the, that's the, the ultimate goal, right? So if you're not finding value in what we're providing, then we're not doing our jobs. Right. And so that's, that's where, that's what we have to look at when we generate content. Yeah. Trez, you're going to say something. What what were you going to say? Yeah. It would be good for like you saying that you've got so you've got these goals, these ambitions for yourself this, this year. And maybe there's somebody sitting on the network watching it along and they haven't really thought about planning a goal or for a season or for a year or for two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they see you actually do it from start to finish and, like you say, hitting each wicket as you go along. They might turn around after that and go, right, I've seen how it's done firsthand. You're the one that's putting it in front of them. Now I can do it, and that might, you know, without sounding too philosophical or whatever the word is, um, you know, inspire somebody to do it mm-hmm. yeah, and actually sure. go out and do it. It's all right, one thing thinking it, but you've got to go and do it. And if you don't do it, you don't do it there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and yeah. and so people, like, I look for inspiration. I mean, I look for inspiration, uh, like Philip and in, in his ability to create content with the the quality that he's creating content from that's inspirational. Man, that's that looks amazing, and that inspires me to be creative, and and pursue that. And from the shooting perspective, there's plenty of people out there that are inspirational for me in in that world, and I look at their ability to perform. And say, okay, well, my my pr- primary focus has not been uh, as a competitor. My primary focus has been that da- I dabble in competition to learn things, to then bring back to students. Uh, my primary focus is with a rifle is hunting, um, and in uh, on the military and law enforcement sniper side of the house. And so, yeah, it's there's inspiration everywhere, and we all have to be able to 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 be inspired and, and see somebody that, that we, uh, look up to. And there's, um, see, there's a, I forget what book it was that I was reading. Um, uh, it's escaping me right now, but what he said was, if you can see, if you personally can, can view a champion, it doesn't matter what sport it's in, right? If you can, if you can see through your own shadow, right? If you can see through your own shit, uh, and be able to really truly identify the the 
the talents in a champion, then you have it inside yourself to do the same thing. Right. So seeing that is, 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 is inspiring, but you have to be able to get past your own shit first. Right. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you have to be able to get past yourself because we are our own worst enemies. And that's another part of this whole journey is kind of combining the technical aspect of what it is that we do as shooters with the mental aspect of what we need to be able to do to be successful. Cause this is a, it's a mental game. You can have all the skills you want, but if you can't control, if you can't control how your mind sees things, then there's your limiting, there's your limitation right there. And I can speak from that from very like firsthand experience. I am literally my own fucking worst enemy. Oh, mate, you won't me off. <laughs> You're a nightmare. I'm so bad. I, I just want to, I just want to grab you and shake you and say, will you shut up moaning? <laughs> Just to slap it. <laughs> just get a grip. <laughs> get a grip, Sorry, man. It's weird, like... Oh, man. I can shoot... Uh, was it our last... I think it was our finale. I shot... I thought I'd shot shit, but I was apparently only three points behind Rory, I think, yeah. in the first three stages. Yeah, you were doing all But right. I dropped, like, six shots, and I thought, I'm doing shit. Automatically got inside my own head and then went downhill rapidly mm -hmm. yeah. fast. It doesn't take long. It's literally yeah. like one instance. But um, yeah. like I double in F class as well as PRS. Mm -hmm. So shooting an F class match, I've got like not dropped out of the five ring V balls for 15 out of my 20 shots. And they get to the point of don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. And right. as soon as I say that, I'll fuck That's it up. It. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, I don't want to shoot that. It's like that fourth, you shoot four rounds of a five-shot group. And yeah. you're like, yeah. I really got to shoot that fifth one? It looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not so, do that. I take it you're uh, both trying to get into the PRS finale this year then? Yeah, I'm going to give her a go. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's, uh, I, I want, I just, I want to do it. I want the experience. And um, I, I, I haven't really shot aside from club matches and stuff up here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, some like PRS regional stuff. Uh, I haven't really, I haven't really done much of that. So I'm looking forward to it. And last year was a, last year was, was a very difficult year to get through. And I'm really glad to see it in the hindsight. Um, yeah. and I'm looking at Good. this as just a new opportunity and, and it's a new, it's a, it's a clean slate. Yeah. We, we gave, yeah, no. We gave Phil some shit for his position that he finished in. He was out he was, hunting the day before. <laughs> we gave him some stick, man. But it was it was quite funny. I walked over to There he is. Him. I just saw him come off mute. There he is. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> we gave him some shit. Um, I saw Phil and I thought, I'll go say hello. And I walked over and I, I could see him looking at me. And he's like... I recognize you. I walked over. He goes, "Fuck, dude, you're big." How how tall are you, Andy? Six five. Holy shit! Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm like six five. Um, what's what's twenty one stone in pounds, Trez? Uh, it's fourteen pounds to a stone. So fucking heavy. Why <laughs> <laughs> you guys always got to have these fucking difficult numbers? You can't easily add or sort of divide or multiply. It's all this fucking weird shit. <laughs> imperialization but, uh, yeah, do you know what it's right. weird though because we, we was taught metric at school but if someone says how tall is that our guy's about 10 foot tall I don't <laughs> know why right yeah, <laughs> see scaffolding we're feet and inches all day long yeah. feet inches yards all day long yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's hard because it, you're right like even here people are you know uh, 
stop trying to convert everything. Stop trying to yeah. do just no, we yeah, don't. Yeah, we're do we're backwards. Like we're taught metric in school. All um speedos a mile an hour, which is imperial. Yeah. The like your yards for you getting off and on and your junctions are all yards, not meters. Yards. Oh really? So, I thought you so guys were kilometers. Nope. Yeah. Miles. Like, all your speed miles. signs, miles per hour. Really? You, oh, yeah, okay. you, 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 all your road signs. If you see a number in, in a road sign, it means it's you know four miles away, not kilometers. Yeah. You don't even see a kilometer. Um, and then you're, conversion. And then you're on the other side of the road too. Yeah, we're on the right the, side. The correct, on the wrong side. side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, no, crazy. Know, I, I, I feel to... like I, I feel like I gave Phil too much shit there. <laughs> we can't defend himself. <laughs> oh, he's totally capable. He's, he's very capable of defending himself. So they call me John Master. They've got to expect something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I got. I had a crazy experience. I I went to uh, South Africa, and and visited. We arrived in the middle of the night, and I had to drive from the Cape Town airport through uh, the countryside into uh, Stellenbosch. That's some drive um, that is. It's a long drive, man. And it's like, this was before, this was before like the Google machine, right? Like there was no (laughs) Google maps, man. It was like, let's get this fold. You know, it's a paper map and, and it's freaking pitch black out and I'm driving on the wrong side of the vehicle. It's a manual (laughs) transmission and I'm on the wrong side of the goddamn road. And it was just like, oh my gosh. You guys don't do manuals either, do you? There's... Uh, we have, I mean, the United States, there's, you know, you can still get a manual transmission, but it's, it's fairly rare. You have to actually, you have to, you have to ask for one if you want to buy one. Uh You've got to ask for an auto over here if you want an auto. Oh, okay. So opposite. That was a stressful drive, man, because people were pit, they were passing and, and like, I see lights coming on the wrong side of my mirror that I'm, (laughs) my brain's used to seeing and like people are honking at me and I'm just like, oh my God, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get through this. Sounds like us in the States when Joe, when Joe was driving. <laughs> yeah, rally van. Rally van, oh, yeah, man. So, we, we quickly worked out that the um, the minivan was a V8. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in Tennessee, that's all like the, the back roads. And yeah, man, it's like yeah. it's out west here, it's different. Um, driving, dri- driving back east on the east coast is it's very twisty, windy, and you know, town after town after town after town here out west, it's pretty open. And yeah. you know, it's like I can see the town that I'm going to 10 miles away, right? That's where I'm headed. It's yeah. all open. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was looking at the the, the trip from because we're gonna at the end of so this is the stuff we have to plan this far in advance because we don't we want to make sure we're good, but for the for the finale this year, we'll fly into Denver and we'll drive to Kansas because mm-hmm. that's the, the easiest for us. And I looked at the route, and it's just fields. There's yep. nothing. That's mm-hmm. it. It's, it's, you're going to. You're going to like. A, speaking of the oh, drive, the flyover states <laughs> of drinking alcohol inside a vehicle on that drive. Not the Probably drive. Not a good idea. Oh, not yeah. a good idea. I said James said, "Oh, we can have a few cans." Not the driver, obviously. We can have a few drinks. I said, "Dude, I'm pretty sure that that's not good in the state." Well, I'm fairly so. To caveat: I'm fairly so. The listeners, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain Wyoming is a little bit on the on the cowboy side of things. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can't drink in a vehicle whilst your mate's driving, that's a shit rule. That is. I've been pissed more times than I can remember in somebody's car or driving somewhere. It's gonna be a long drive. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna have a good time this April. I can tell. This is gonna be fun. 
Oh yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, we will do it. Yeah. Phil yeah. wants the full the full British. Uh, Full British um, kind of, you know, the tea, the roast yeah. dinner, the full English we'll breakfast, fish and chips, and all that. What you, what the, uh, what you, uh, you, uh, our uh, colloquial cousins like to like to think that we all seem to do. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely we'll show we'll show. Isn't you it always different? It's always done. different, right? We always have these these ideas of of what the the quintessential uh, activities of you know a different country or different culture and then you get over there and they're just like no we don't do that shit (laughs) (laughs) no we don't do that it's not it's not fucking mary poppins dude (laughs) yeah it's nothing like mary poppins you guys don't have chimp sweepers walking around all over the place not anymore (laughs) not anymore anymore, have you got anything planned while you're over here other than the course or um we're gonna try to um we're going to try to see if we can incorporate uh, a, f- a family trip on the back end of it. So um, nice. that's something that we're going to that we're going to talk about doing. But I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. And I think before we sign off here, um, well, why don't you explain to people where they can go to uh, try to capture some of these last remaining slots in these classes? Yeah, no worries. Um, so website is easiest because you can go on. You can register your interest on the courses. Um, www.precisionrifleseries-uk.com there's a link right at the top of the nav which says mds courses get on there and that'll give you all the info we need on that or give us a shout on social media one of us will pick the lineup uh, trez or me on instagram james will pick stuff up on facebook as well as me um that's the easiest way to get in touch with us or email us the email address is on the website as well um so just give us a shout there's, as I said, there's only a few slots left on 101. I think we're up into the high numbers on the three, the other three courses as well. So awesome. Do you yeah. want to just chuck in the sort of cutoff date for international shooters? Yeah, that'd so be a great it, thing to do. Yeah. So you, if you're in the EU, we ideally need to be submitting paperwork first week, first week of March, absolute latest, really. We need we need five six weeks to get it processed properly. I do. I mean, I'm quite friendly with my local firearms officer now, so it, it can get a little bit pushed on it. But don't rely. I'd, on I'd, it. I'd, I'd rather not. Yeah, don't rely on it. Not having to send her flowers and biscuits and chocolates. And, yeah. and <laughs> don't don't rely on it. The more time. Plus, if yeah. anything goes wrong, yeah. Plus, these these courses are going to sell out, so you need to, you've really got to get on if you want the spot. Yeah. What what I do want to say is, if you I know a lot that it's going to have the added expense for a lot of the Europeans. Um, so if you are flying, obviously there is the, the the ammunition limit. So maybe think about how much your ammo is going to cost for the whole course. Work out whether it's maybe slightly cheaper to drive because you don't have an ammunition limit there so i just wanted to make sure people knew that you can bring as much as you can carry as long as your license stipulates it um at the same time if you are flying there are various airports for you to get to uh, within the eu if you can get a flight to cardiff that is going to be your closest airport. You are literally what twenty five minutes from the range. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. If you if you fly into Cardiff, the next closest is Bristol, which is just over the bridge, which is maybe forty five minute drive, if that. And then you've got Birmingham, which flies to you know it's quite a big airport. It's about an hour and a half drive. And then after that, you're probably looking at the London airport. So don't just think you've got to come into 
you know, everybody's heard of London and Heathrow. So don't think that you have to just come straight into Heathrow because you might find that that flight might be slightly more expensive. So have a look around, check that you check all these different airports and then you can work out your, um, your, your costings by, by your, by that. And, you know, you got to take into, you know, fuel's expensive in the UK at the moment. So mm-hmm. if you're driving, you know, you say you get a flight to Glasgow in Scotland and you've got a nine-hour drive, then it's going to add to your cost to your, cost to your, of, your of your training. Yeah. Um, regarding stuff like hotels, if you let us know, we can put you directly in contact with uh, known locations that all the shooters in the UK use and they're all, you know, they all have no issues with rifles being used, uh, <clears throat> walked into the hotels or anything like that. There's, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff that we can help you with. So please don't, think that it's such a daunting task because it's not because we, we're here to help you we want you to to come here and we want you to have a, a good experience and if we can make it cheaper for you and if that's the difference between coming and not coming then please you know yeah. make, make contact and we'll help you again just a, a, the last look. sorry the last thing i'll pro- probably say on this and this I, I promise you this is not a sales tactic I don't think we will fill these classes enough again to get Phil and Caitlin into the UK for quite some time. So you think about it, guys, because <laughs> it's going to be a long time before they come back over. I was just going to jump back onto the about the suppressors, sound moderators. I'm as far as I'm aware, if you want to bring them over from the Europe over, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. fine to do so. Yeah, no problems. We have no issues with it. Yeah. Because basically the the paperwork that you get from us is a visitor's firearm certificate with an ammunition allocation and serial number of your rifle, basically. So that's what you get from us. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks for the information, guys. Appreciate it. And um, appreciate you guys taking the time out of your evening to uh, sit and chat with us. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys in person uh, in a couple months. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be awesome. Time to get loaded. Yeah, time to get loaded up all those rounds. <laughs> right. Sounds good, you guys. Well, everybody that's uh, listening, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Modern Day Sniper Podcast. And you all know the drill. Keep your faces on the gun. We'll see you in three months, boys. <laughs> see you, Phil. <laughs> there he is. There he there is. He's <laughs> not going to sleep. <laughs>